Hey guys, welcome to the Bag and Barcast, episode number 486. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being, though, we can geek, bring you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we're looking forward to coming out July 6, 2022. And we follow it up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week we're taking a look back at some of the comic books that we bought in June of 2022. Uh, with Poison Ivy, number one, the best Archie comic ever, number one, and Beware the Eye of Odin. Listeners, can you guess who picked which? <laughs> let us know. And let us I feel know. like we all, we all picked all of these books for the week. Or not the Week and Geek, but the, the list. So if you listened, you mm-hmm. might know. Or if you follow us over on Instagram, you might know. Could. Yeah. Could, could, could do. Uh, but you know what we could do is uh, we could drink a beer. Guys, we can share a beer, right? Yeah. I, I love drinking a beer. Uh I'm drinking a from Resurgence. It's four point four percent alcohol by volume. It's just their lager, and it's a it's actually a decent lager. It's uh, crisp, refreshing. Kind of has a little bit of a toasted quality to it, but not overly. So it's still just that lighter crisp crisp style lager. Now, unfortunately, I bought this in a mixed four pack, so I don't know how much it was. But it's a sixteen bottle, a sixteen ounce can. So, you know, if it was, like, in a Tallboy 4-pack and it was six ninety nine, I'd think about it. You know, for disc golfing, something like that. You probably paid between nine ninety nine and twelve ninety nine. I know. I know. But that's the, that's the price point I'd be willing to actually stop. If I were to buy this again, I would have to see it. That, that's your cutoff point. Right? Yeah, I would be, like, six ninety nine for the, the... Tallboy. The stack in the middle of the aisle, and you're like, oh. Yes. Oh, for six ninety nine for a four-pack? Yeah, that's a decent price. Anything more than that, I'd be like, no, it was okay. It was okay. Well, it's seven ninety nine for a six-pack of Yingling Tallboys, so I think yeah, spend so an extra dollar, get the, get the Yingling. <laughs> and drop off two. But if he, but if he had to pay a price point, it would be that. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Uh, I want to pay what I want to pay, not what the market is saying I should pay. <laughs> well, could I have it for a dollar? I'm not going to argue with anybody there saying it should, you know, give it, not, sell it to me. For not yet, price. old man Paul. Though, in like another twenty years, oh, another twenty years, he's going to yes. be walking through so many stores trying to barter with people. I got these beans. I grew in my own garden. Uh, I'm drinking from Other Half Brewery, their Poetry Snaps. This is a rice lager, uh, 4.5%. This is just a nice drinking beer. Um, it feels light, like just lighter in body, but also like drinking it, you're like, you don't feel, I don't feel heavy from it. Like it's just mm-hmm. really nice, easy drinking. 4.5% or like... This is just a nice, nice beer to pound. Uh, I am also drinking something that's pretty poundable. Um, Yanni and I went to a couple breweries today because producer Scott informed me that he'll be coming down in the month of July. So I was like, hey, you come down. I'm going to have a bunch of Florida beers for you, which means I now have to go out and buy Florida beers. It's 
It's a tough gig, I know. Um, but today we went to two of our favorite breweries. So we started off at Sideward Brewing, where I got a bunch of four-packs. And some of these I actually had at the brewery, too, because it was a bunch of new stuff that they had just brewed and put out that I want to sample. And I started off with their Dagger, which is a dry-hopped oat lager. So guys, mm. we're all lager boys right now. Hey, lager boys. Hey, lager boys. That wasn't even planned. Um, but this, I took a sip of this. And I looked at Yanni, and I was like, hmm, you know what this is. And she was like, porch drinking beer? And I was like, it's a porch drinking beer. Because <laughs> it's it's a lager, so it's definitely light enough, and it's crispy, so you mm-hmm. can drink it on a hot day. Because it was like 93 to 96 degrees so you got in Orlando crispy, today. So you got a crispy boy there. It's got to be crispy, but it since it's like an oat lager, it has mm. enough of a mouthfeel that it feels like there's more heft to it than just like your typical lager. And then it's dry hop. So it's got like a nice little bitter dancing across your tongue before you get that like opening of that oat. It's fantastic. Um, Yeah. I have no issues having had one of these on on tap at the brewery and then picking up a four pack to bring on home because, you know, producer Scott's getting one of them. Other three, all for me. Yeah. And you might drink all four and just go get him another pack. I could. It's there. I'm just <laughs> it's like saying. twenty minutes down the road. I could. Your description of your lager makes my lager sound like the like the lager your lager pissed out. You know why, Paul? Why? I wasn't focused on the price. I walked up <laughs> to the cooler. I grabbed the four packs of everything I'm bringing, and I'm like, "Yep, that's it." I didn't focus on the price either, but now that I've tasted it, I'm like, you know what? I need to. This is a value beer. It tastes like a value beer. So, oh uh, yeah. I also well, like Dagger as a name for a beer. It also sounds... It's cool. Like, it's a bright green can, and, like, the oh, yeah. the lettering on it's, like, kind of 80s metal, like, Iron Maiden style and yeah. silver. Very Love and Thunder. Yeah. Just, Very just dope. It, it could also make it's a good just, disc golf disc golf disc name. Oh, what are you, you throwing? Oh, I'm throwing my Dagger. Ooh. Throwing Daggers, baby! Yeah! <laughs> John's writing it down. Uh, but, guys, something else that we're throwing... Is we're throwing it over to Paul to talk about some of the news in the week and game. Oh, guys. Uh, something that my wife has been very excited about uh, ever since we picked up Disney Plus was the rumor that we would get a Hocus Pocus 2. Now, what, two years ago, we got a Hocus Pocus sequel book that came out. Did my wife read it? I don't think so. And then. All of a sudden, who reads books? Like Nerds. then, when we were uh, you know starting in August of last year, we would go out uh, Halloween decor shopping as one does in August. You know, at the Home Goods and the Marshalls and and like, and all of a sudden, Hocus Pocus was out there, like on all this different Home Goods stuff, candles, but they were like animated characters. So I have my my Hocus Pocus uh, Funko Pops oh, yeah. behind me here. Yeah. So all and then I have my. It's on the opposite wall, but I have my Hocus Pocus wall signs. Oh, nice. But I'm there. I subscribe to it. All, all this stuff started coming out. But Kate didn't like the, the, the cartoony design that was on a lot of the products. So she was like, no. So I got nervous that Hocus Pocus 2 might be an animated thing, especially with all the decor stuff coming out that had those the animated uh, takes on these characters, the Sanderson sisters. But... I no longer need to fear, because the trailer is here. And if I'm talking in a rhyme, because it's witch hunting time. Uh, guys, Hocus Pocus 2. 
trailer yeah, I, made a new. I absolutely love Hocus Pocus. I didn't see the first movie when it came out. I saw it when it came out on VHS that summer. Because I think the movie itself came out like way before Halloween time, but then it was on VHS for Halloween time. And we rented it for Movies Plus, and I think I watched that movie like six times that night because I just kept watching it like again and again and again through the night before uh, I wound up passing out. And you also uh, got to get your money out of that rental, man. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Get that value. Uh, I love Hocus Pocus. It's now definitely a part of our like Halloween watching. As soon as I picked up the DVD, like it was one of my just go-to, put it on in the background as I'm doing my Halloween prep. Um, I'm super excited for this movie. I think it's great that it's coming back. I think it's fantastic that they had everybody from the original you know, meaning the Sanderson mm-hmm. sisters come back to reprise their roles. Uh, but Paul, before we get too far into the actual talking about the movie, I just want to give you guys a heads up. Go to Spirit Halloween because they actually have a lot of like home goods and accessories and stuff for uh, decor. And that's mm-hmm. one of the places that like we wind up going because they always have a bunch of like, really cool kind of out there stuff that you wouldn't normally find at another store. Like they had a bunch of Hocus Pocus things. Um, yeah, we this went past to year they had like Beetlejuice, um, Trick or Treat, uh, which we told you to watch last week. So yep, get on yep. that one too. It's on my list um, right here. I'm trying like, but there's like so much like random stuff that like you walk in there and like, oh holy cow! I didn't think I would find Beetlejuice candy dishes somewhere, but here we are now. Um, so yeah, that's that's my hint. Yeah, when we were at Spirit uh, last year, we did see a couple of the, like the signs. You know, mm-hmm. Sanderson, you know, uh, what is it? You know, uh, Salem, Massachusetts signs, you know, that were in kind of, and you could tell it was definitely Hocus Pocus theme. But they also, they had a lot of the cartoony style Sanderson sisters stuff. And we're like, meh. I don't know if it's because we live in Orlando too, but they also had a lot of Haunted Mansion mm. uh, theme things too. Okay. Yeah. But man, uh, back, back, back to it. Hocus Pocus too. Like, there's a black cat in it. I don't know if it's going to be like another like Binks type situation because it seems like at this point we're 35 years after the Sanderson sisters came back last time. So I don't know if they could harken back to like yeah. the the boy cursed for 300 years. But you no, know, it's those fun little nods. That's what I'm looking for. Did those bullies make it out alive? They were they in the cages at the end of the movie singing row 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 your boat. So they we don't did, know. They were, they were let free, though. This uh, is yeah. ice. Ernie. Oh, you mean ice. Uh, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. I, I love the I love the movie. Um, I think I bought my wife uh, Sanderson's, like, sweatshirt. It's like a green and white tie-dye kind of shirt. Kind of looks like almost like green smoke. Uh, and then it has the Sanderson's... You know, the address to the cabin or the Sanderson's visit the Sanderson's museum kind of a shirt. So, yeah, like it's definitely something that my family loves. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this coming out. Exclusive streaming to Disney Plus. September 30th. 
One of the things that makes me sad every year, though, is I do have a Halloween playlist on my Spotify. They don't have that version of I Put a Spell on You available to like, listen to anywhere. Like, if you want to listen to it, you have to go to, like, YouTube to watch, like, a digital captured version of the song to hear it, which... Put that out! People can listen to that shit, Disney. You know, it might be because it's under some Disney recording thing and disney probably put it out under their label but then it's like lapsed and it doesn't have any ownership or some crazy thing like that which is dumb put that out people will listen to that you'll make money or bet midler didn't you know agree to that being sold is there a hocus pocus soundtrack you can buy i don't believe there is but like if you search for hocus pocus you get like the songs of hocus pocus where it's just some guy be like i put a bet on you like it's it's not what you want it to be I'm looking for the... Uh, Everyone's frantically searching for it. Soundtrack. Ah. But while you're doing that, uh, we can start up with... John, you brought some news to the table, which made me kind of chortle to myself when you <laughs> sent it across. Uh, yeah, the arrogant bastard boys themselves that are Stone Brewery, who would never sell to the big boys. They'd no, only I, sell... Paul. I have it on good authority that they would not sell it because they put a YouTube video out in like 2017 that said they're not going to. Uh, and if they did, it had to be a company that held their values. And nobody's going to hold the same values as the Stone Boys. Uh, but Stone Brewing selling to Sapporo, I think just Sapporo USA. Mm-hmm. And Sapporo is basically buying them and I think paying them probably I forget like if it's like 60% under what they valued themselves at um, but I think they're taking on all of their stones debt and also um, basically what I what they were Sapporo was buying them so they had in place in America where they could brew their beer and have the distribution lines that 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 Stone had already set up across the U.S. Um, so it seems like they're really more taking <laughs> Stone for more use for them than actually going like, oh, this is a great brand. Um, but yeah, it's it couldn't happen to anyone better. But again, it's sad to see another third, like thirty-year-old brewery titan fall. And we've had New Belgium, what, last year? Bells this year, Stone this year, Founders two years ago. Like, Dogfish Head selling to uh, Boston Beer Company. Like, all the big guys are are dropping like flies. Sierra Nevada but still to- on their own? Yes. Uh, 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 Lagunitas sold to Heineken. Like- yeah, Lagunitas, that's but the one I was actually thinking of. And this is something that we always kind of circle back to when we have these stories that break is as long as the breweries still get to kind of like function autonomously and get to do what they want to do, like it doesn't matter to me. And in some cases it might be better because then you can get those beers in different places that you normally wouldn't get them. And all those breweries that you just listed off, I can still find them here. I can still go get their beers and they're still representative of what those breweries did and what they stood for when they were like that bastion of, Hey, 
we're independent, we're going to brew what we want to brew, craft beer forever, man. I don't see any downside to a lot of these deals. And I know, like, yeah, it's like you said, like, you don't want to see, like, craft breweries go away. But if they're just getting that funding behind them and a wider footprint, more distribution, and, you know, that big money, like, it's it's win-win, I guess. Yeah. It's, I have to, it's incredibly hard when you think about all of those breweries that I listed are all breweries that distribute across the United States. And to be a big brewery who's putting out so much, if you have a beer that you've put all this money into and sent across the United States Mm -hmm. and it fails and nobody wants it, a lot of times you have to buy some of that beer back. Like just you, that's the deal with distributors. Like, yeah, we'll take your beer, but if it's not selling, you need to buy it back from us and different things like that. It happens all the time. And it is increasingly harder and harder for these guys to continue to make money when there are so many local breweries now. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for somebody to say like, yeah, when we were the big, we were the big fish because stone was one of the only beers you can get. This was the only thing you can get. Yeah. Now it's anywhere you throw a stone, <laughs> you throw a stone, you can hit a local brewery or a brewery in the next town over or yeah. You know, I think right now in Buffalo we have almost 30 breweries and four or five slated to open between this year and next year like yeah. That's huge. 5 years ago it was maybe 15 like it yeah. just keeps it's, growing and it's it's harder and harder for these guys to go the only brewery that i can say flopped after selling out is ballast point ballast point had outpriced themselves they were like the number one brewery in the united states and they sold for a billion dollars and right after that the the brewery just tanked. They had priced themselves out at fifteen ninety nine for a six pack of um, Sculpin, you know. Mm-hmm. And people are like, I'm not going to pay that, but I'll pay twenty dollars for a four pack Tallboy of this fresh IPA that's hazy, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just I interesting. Think, you know, we've been in a we we started the podcast back in two thousand nine. At the start of a very long economic expansion. You know, one of the, the longest economic expansions in the United States history. And now we're looking, you know, it's 2022. We went through a pandemic crisis and economic crisis and then the stimulus happened. And it's kept the economy going. And now we're looking at, maybe, you know, gas is $5, you know, over $5 scale nationally. We're looking at an economic downturn. So craft beer fans... And, and I was just t- kind of talking about it myself. Like, hey, what? how do I actually value this beer alone if it wasn't for the novelty? But hey, the first time I buy it, I'm willing to pay a premium because it's the first time I'm having it. But that second time, I'm going to need it at a much at a lower price point or a price point that I deem because that novelty is now gone. Do you think that's going to be a, a trend going forward for customers? You know, they're going to be like, you know what? maybe I won't spend the extra money on the novelty of a new beer. I'll just go back to what I know I like and stay try, uh, stay with the tried and trues? Or do you think they'll just 
buy the new stuff I can, less? I can answer your question right now. Yeah, yes. They're they're buying the trade and true stuff. As somebody who sells the stuff, mm-hmm. yep. like all of a sudden there is a huge jump in Blue Moon sales. Blue Moon always a good seller, but 12 packs, 15 packs mm-hmm. have been like crushing it. And the 15 pack is a dollar more than the 12 pack. Like I don't know <laughs> I don't know why everyone doesn't just buy the 15. It's a better deal. Uh, but also at the same time that you saw the jump in that other half beers, I usually have about nine, nine-ish different mm-hmm. other half beers. Those beers sell for twenty to twenty-one ninety-nine average. Yeah. I have different ones, like the rice beer here was fourteen forty-nine for a four-pack. Still pretty expensive for a four percent mm-hmm. lager. Yeah. Uh, but I sold a thousand dollars a week. In those beers. And you'd see somebody come up, and they'd grab one, they'd look at it, they'd grab another, they'd put them both in the cart, and then maybe they'd take a a third one. Mm -hmm. When gas prices started going up and those luxury items became, you know, can I spend $60 on 12 beers? The answer is no. Like, my other half sales now are cut in half. You can see that Mm -hmm. the person, the people that were buying those beers who were buying two are now just buying one. And, uh, yeah, I, I see it in my sales. Like, those big key high-end beers are cut in half. And the premiums, your 18 packs or stuff like that are all going up. Or those Bush Bush Apple, $9.99 for a 12-pack, $17.99 for a 24-pack. Those are selling. $10 Jenny, uh, Jenny Kolsch. Mm-hmm. Those are selling. Like you, absolutely see where it's all where it's all going, and it's. So, how many of those people are doing craft beer comic book podcasts? Because I'm in it for the long haul. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm spending that money because I do it for the enjoyment, for the discussion, and when it does come to me just getting something to drink at home, like I'm not necessarily going to like the store i'm stopping at the brewery and i'm mm-hmm. picking up like a four pack of something to take where i might be spending a little bit more but that's just kind of who i am and what i like to drink and if i am going to be stopping at a store to get like a french filler i'm still probably going to be buying something that's like i i don't want to say like bougie but i'm going to be buying something that like i'm i'm going to want to drink mm-hmm. yeah yeah when I buy beer for or buy beer now, it's like okay. If I buy a four pack, two of those are going to be set up, uh, set on the shelf for the for the podcast. The other two, I'm going to drink, you know, on uh, my leisure. Same with you know, uh, if I buy a twelve pack, if it's a variety, I put one of each of the varieties uh, aside. So that way, I always have something ready to go for the show because I do find that. I get stressed out if it's the day of the podcast and I have to go and buy some beer. I'm like, oh, I don't even know what to get. I can't find what the other guys are getting. And then <sighs> I just end up not buying something. I'm just buying something instead of something that I'm actually interested in. You know I mean, what? I'm always I, – I get what you're saying, but I'm always going to try to find something that I'm interested in because if I just find – if I'm not seeing anything that I want to get, that might be the week that I'm like, hey, I only have like two beers for the show. I'm not just going to – grab something to talk about if I don't necessarily 
believe in it. And I think that's kind of the benefit of also just being able to go buy singles too. Right. I don't have to commit to buying a 12 or a 15 pack or even like a four pack in some situations. Like I can just, you know, grab one can and spend like the two forty nine or like three forty nine, maybe like $6 if it's like something like super special limited release. Um, Cause in most cases I'm just buying beer for the show and then anything else that I have after buying that four pack or sample, like the sampler pack I had last week from Ivanhoe, like that just became a, Hey, I got home from work. I'm going to drink two of these while I'm playing games or like sitting around reading. <clears throat> I can't wait until it's, so I get invited to somebody's fire pit or if it's a late night, Ooh, maybe I'll do a late night smoking session and I can drink like a, a good stout. Like late at night, ooh, <laughs> is that little summer chill in the air? Summer night chill in the air? Oh, that'll be good. But until then, I guess uh, we'll have to settle for what we're drinking right now. Chris, you you got up and you showed us you you have a new beer. What what beer are you drinking? Uh, my next beer is also from Sideward Brewing, and this was a special release that they had just put out a couple days ago. This is um, their Pub Feed, which is an ESB style of beer. Brewed in collaboration mm. with the Winter Park Biscuit Company. Um, Winter Park Biscuit Company is actually a local vegan bakery. We walked uh, past it. We walked past it because it's in the same market where the original Gideon's Cookies location is. Uh, Winter Park Biscuit Company, though, is actually owned by uh, one of the cu- uh, guitarists from the band A Day to Remember. So, pop punk slash hardcore fans, if you like A Day to Remember, uh, one of their guitarists, Neil, actually owns a, a bakery in Orlando with his <laughs> wife. So go check it out. And this is absolutely fantastic. It has everything you would want from like an English bitter, but it's kind of toned down a little bit. So it's not overly bitter. It's not overly like te tannin on it. It's all just like the perfect melding of everything that as soon as you take one sip, it has like that right amount of dry that you're like, I better take another sip because I need to be quenched. And you can just keep going back and back and back. Um, this was actually the first beer that I ordered on Untap when we uh, got to the brewery. And I literally drank the whole thing before like the pretzels and beer cheese we ordered came. And I was like, oh, now I have to get another beer. Like, I've already finished this one. And that's when I got the dagger. Um, and when I went up to get my second beer, the the beer tender was like, so what'd you think of the bitters? I was like, it was fantastic. Like, those are coming home with me. Like, I I got to get some more of that. So good on ya. Um, fantastic that Sideward teamed up with another local Orlando business uh, to do something special. And that day that they actually released this at the brewery, they had like a whole vegan, vegetarian pub food day mm. there. So, you know, good on them for doing something different to cater to people that might have like special dietary restrictions or like ways of living that they might not be able to go get like British pub food because it's all just like meat pies. Just something uh, different. Yeah, uh, I'm going to piggyback on that because I have two beers to talk about. Um, <clears throat> Father's message something. Uh, I thought of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
a new brewery. It's uh, they were kind of a nano brewery. They were just putting out small stuff and having like tap takeover at bre- at bars. They just officially opened, and they're known for not making just hazy IPAs and sours, but all different styles. And I went and had their ESB, which was uh, very good, kind of like a hoppy, bitter brown ale, basically, kind of where you can kind of maybe put that. Um, But I went in there. I saw that it was still on tap. I went into the brewery because it's not too far from my house, and I was like, uh, do you guys do crowlers? I see the crowler machine there because I was like, I kind of want to have that because I figured Chris was going to buy this beer. I wanted to drink an ESB with him. Hey. And, they're, and they're like, no, sorry, we don't. And I'm like looking at the crowler machine when she said it to me and she's like, we don't have the cans. And I was like, okay. <laughs> she's like, they are on so much of a back order. When we get them, we will do crowlers. So the answer is no. I was like, all right, that's fine. I'll have one, though. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I saw that Sidewards put, was putting that beer out. I sent it to Chris, like, hey, buddy. <laughs> At that point, I was like, yep, I already know about it. <laughs> but it's just it's such a great style that you just don't see anymore. And it's something that Chris and I used to love. Like, anytime we saw it out, we would we would grab it. And just to segue quick and like circle around Sidewards for a moment, they had like a whole skate day last week too, where they had like a company bring in like a giant skateboarding half pipe, and then they put out like special skateboarding beers because that's um, they had their hand plant IPA that they put out every year, but they released that again, which is fantastic. I had one of those today too. Um, Sidewards just a great brewery that likes to do weird fun things but it's not like weird where it's like alienating it's just like we're gonna team up with this vegan bakery make it esv guys i absolutely love it i wish i lived near sidewards i really do i i loved all the beers that i had from them i really liked the location and i like that they the stuff that they put out we have a lot of great breweries out here. I'd say the closest would probably be like Community Beer Works because mm-hmm. they are constantly kind of taking chances on stuff and releasing stuff that's not just like, this is going to be like, this is our one, this is going to be our big one. It's, they're putting out cold IPAs, they're putting out this or that. I think they're swinging pretty hard for the fences with some of the stuff they do. Um, like that box that we, all agreed was over their subscription mm-hmm. box that's overpriced but at the same point they're really they're trying <laughs> they're trying to make it in a city with 30 breweries yeah um but yeah. i am drinking yeah, as you say what are you actually drinking <laughs> from from community beer works uh i'm drinking their meyer lemon let's go pills I think I've had, this is the third variant of that beer um, that I've had on the show. I had their orange, no, fourth. Last year I had their grapefruit, uh, which I really loved. Uh, I had their tangerine this year, which I was, it was okay. Their jasmine, did I have that on the show? 
don't know if you had it on the show. I know I know you talked about it though. I so. really liked. I, I really loved the Jasmine. Um, then yeah, you had it on the show. And then uh, the Meyer lemon here, and the Meyer lemon is this really nice pop of lemon, but it doesn't take away from the pilsneriness of the beer. Um, really well balanced. Um, I mean, it's almost it's a Rattler, a Shandy kind of a style with having that lemon in it. Really refreshing. Uh, Paul, this would be a nice picnic beer. I don't think you'd want to... I don't know if I would want to drink this while I'm... Disc golfing? Disc golfing? I, I was thinking it might be a good disc golf beer, but I don't know if the lemon would just be... Too puckery? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not one to drink like, oh, it's a hot date, give me a lemonade. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not that kind of person. Are you that kind of person, Paul? I, I don't know. Maybe I am. I would I would have to try it out and see for myself. But funny enough, I'm drinking it at Fruited Pills, and this is from Resurgence. And this is with pineapple and grapefruit. And this uh, flavor profile reminds me of when I'm looking for something in the fridge and my wife is telling me it's in there. Because that's how I feel about these flavors. Like, I'm like, are you sure it's in there? Are we sure we have any limes left? Oh, yeah, they're in the fridge. I'm like, I don't see them. Have you checked the drawer underneath? You know, the cooler drawer that slides out? Yeah, I'm looking there. Did he check underneath you? Oh, there it is. It's one of those flavors where it takes that long to find, the, like, that pineapple. I'm not getting much grapefruit out uh, at all on this. Um, but the aftertaste of pineapple does come through just just at the very end. Um, is it pilsnery still? I'm searching for any flavor, so I guess not. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's clean. It doesn't taste like I'm drinking a thing full of nickels. I was just at a wedding on uh, Saturday, and man, the bat blue light tastes like just sucking on nickels. Like I always thought, John was weird for saying that, but now you get it. I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. I get it. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad that all those years you're like that guy's such an asshole. What is he talking about? No. I get oh, it. I get it now. No, I get it. I never said you were an asshole. I'm just like, don't ruin it for me. Don't ruin it for me. And I was there at the wedding. I'm like, he ruined it for me. (laughs) It's happened. I'm pretty sure you've called me an asshole. (laughs) I don't think I've ever really... I really try not to swear swear at all. And also really try not to swear at anybody. You've never walked away from a conversation with me or anything and just been like, that Johnny, sometimes he's an asshole. Maybe a jerk or a scamp. I have to be pretty darn angry to like, like, and then when I do swear at people, mostly in jest or because I'm trying to oversell it. But anyways, well, what Paul? What books will you be ingesting this week when you go to the comic book store for June? Wait, July six. I was gonna say June. We're still in June, guys, but it's gonna be July by the time this comes out. We read that first Halcyon Legacy. Uh, number one for a look back. Yeah, and we didn't like we it. We did why, not why like do you bring, it at all. Why do you bring that up, Paul? There's, there, there should be no reason whatsoever that I would ever go back to that series. Yep, yep. Paul speaking truths. Okay, <laughs> yeah. like, I like. All right. he, he's but, not lying. So, but you know, I'm I'm a sucker for the Star Wars right now. I love the Obi Wan, and I've just been in a Star Wars mood uh, for the longest time now. Just Galaxy's Edge has really got rekindled that love uh, for Star Wars again. So when I saw uh, there was a comic book with both Lando Calrissian and Hondo Anaka on the cover, I'm like, 
All right, I'm sold. I don't care what. Oh, Halcyon Legacy. Number Paul, four? you asshole! Wait, is this what John was just talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'm of I, I'm of two worlds uh, uh, on this, two brains on this. Uh, Lando Calrissian and Hondo Great. and Eka. Come on, great! Two of the all-time best Star Wars characters. Paul, I'm just sad when you came down, they didn't have the Hondo Anaka animatronic working at yeah. uh, Galaxy's Edge. Because the first time I saw it, I was like, that's that's not the audio animatronic. That's a person up there. Yeah. Like, that's and a also, dude dressed as Hondo. And also, Kylo wasn't working. Animatronics were not having a good day for me at, at Galaxy's Edge. And also, uh, Doc Ondar wasn't working. Yeah. He wasn't there either. So... The only audio animatronic that I saw was DJ Rex. Which is a great one. Yeah, it is a pretty good one. Voiced by Pee Wee Herman. Original. Is he still voicing it? Yeah. They brought him back to do it. Um, even in the episode of Rebels where uh, DJ Rex is on there where they're like with uh, R2 and 3PO. Like that's mm-hmm. Paul Rubens too. But uh, So Paul, you- Paul, I, I, I just have to ask because, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. we put we pick books that we don't actually wind up picking up. Are you going to buy this, or are you just? I have to talk already about? put down my money through, through <laughs> Amazon.com slash Comicsology, and I pre-ordered it. So, Paul, will you be disputing this charge <laughs> with your credit card company, <laughs> so you don't have to actually? Will pay for it? Will you be canceling it? After you hang up with us? <laughs> no, no, no. Because I will say, Paul bought this because Chris was like. Come on, you're not really going to buy it. You're not going to do it. You're going to hate it. And Paul was like, I'll show you, asshole. I'm going to pre-order it. Boom. I put my money where my mouth is. Okay. You guys think I swear a lot more than I think I do. But maybe I swear a lot more and I don't maybe, even realize it. I was going to say, maybe you just swear. Maybe I'm the R2-D2 of this podcast. Maybe you're the reason we have that explicit tag. Maybe uh, I'm the reason you guys drink so much. I don't know. John. Uh, Are you guys got? ready for the most John book that's ever Johned? Mm. Because that's what Starhenge. Oh, can we play book. a game right now? Oh yeah, Chris I'll read the I... title and then you tell okay. me what the book's about. Okay, and then can we play a different game where Chris and I go back and forth and we just add we say one word to create a <laughs> title for the Johnest sure. John book ever? Okay, wow. All right, Star. I say a word and then Chris says. Okay, go ahead. Starhenge, book one, The Dragon and the Boar, number one. Okay, so Starhenge, okay. this is a young girl that is uh, on her own traveling the universe uh, with a pet pig, but then she comes a boar, uh, and then... Uh, while en route to go, you know, to make a delivery, she actually comes across across a mystical space dragon, which um, that basically it's Jonas and the whale, Jonah and the whale, except you know in space, and instead of a whale, it's a space dragon. Hmm. 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 I since it's Starhenge, I imagine this is a sci-fi take. On a druid story, where they uh, they worship a dragon, and she has to kill a boar in like sacrifice to the dragon at 
the Starhenge. And also remember, it's a John book, so she has to bathe in the boar's blood. Mm-hmm. Also, it covers by Mike Mignola. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> well, Paul was kind of close. Wow. <laughs> but but not. Okay. Uh, a future Merlin travels to 5th century Britain to prevent monstrous time-traveling, time-traveling killer robots from robbing the universe of magic. Yeah, it sounds same... like a John book. Oh, yeah, absolutely. At the same time, Amber Weaver's <clears throat> lively present-day narrative reveals how she becomes drawn into this world war across time. So that was the girl that... Paul said there was a girl. She goes pulled oh. into the time war. Okay. The thing that got me is the cover looks super cool. Is That's it by Mike it Mignola? No. Oh. It's by Liam Sharp. Okay. Um, oh, Liam Sharp, yeah. He, he does cool covers. He didn't like he, his he Batman. Did, but I was going to say, he also did the Grant Morrison Green Lantern book, I think, that we did not like. He also if did I'm, the uh, Wonder Woman Batman book that I liked... That you guys, you guys didn't like how he depicted Batman at all. Yeah, I, I was not a fan of his uh, his yeah. Green Lantern. Oh, John just sent a picture. Uh, Chris, what book are you? Yes, playing? me. Um, and then we'll play our game. Okay, I was gonna say I thought we were doing something else. Um, for me, this was actually a difficult choice because I had two books lined up, and I was like, okay, I can pick one of these, depending on. Whichever one Paula picks, because I thought you would have picked one of these for this week, and I would just be like, oh, I got a fallback. Because um, I was going back and forth between Poison Ivy number two and Dark Crisis number two. Ooh. So, Paula, you actually brought Dark Crisis to the table when we did last month's look back. And I'm going to say, I'm not a big event book person anymore, but there was enough in Dark Crisis number one that caught my attention. And now I want to see this attack on Titan's Tower by all the villains, because the Justice League's dead. Who do they go after next? But that next level of the legacy heroes with the Teen Titans um, being led by Deathstroke, Slade Wilson, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Daniel Samper. Uh, Yeah, DC's got my attention now with this Dark Crisis book. I don't care about any of the ancillary stuff, um... I picked up one of like the multiversity, whatever they're calling them, books. Well, actually, two because I picked up the like the, the multi other verse Teen Titans book. Didn't care for it, but then I picked up the Young Justice number one that came out last mm-hmm. week, and actually really loved it because it's the Young Justice from like the late nineties, but caught in a time loop, and it was actually a lot of fun. And I was like, "Holy shit, do I like this book?" And the answer was yes. Um, but yeah, Dark Crisis number two. I'm I'm digging it. So, Paul, thank you for bringing this book to the table last oh, week because, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm on board now. Oh wow, good good. Now let's uh, come up with a title right. for John's the most John book ever. I'm gonna start with Shivering. Horror. Shivering horror. I, I thought it would be better at this game. I suck. <laughs> you made it. <laughs> Shivering Horror Tales. Tales. Across the fifth dimension of time and space. Uh, John, yes. is that a book you would buy? 
Uh, yeah, because it's about Buckaroo Banzai, right? <laughs> it could be. Shivering horror, shivering horror tales across time and... Uh, no, no uh, the across... Fi- the fifth the dimension, dimension of time and space. Yeah, I'd buy that book, probably. Is it from Dark Horse? Image? Yeah, uh, Mike Mignola is also doing the cover. <laughs> oh, he's doing the cover? Oh, yeah, I'm sold. Uh, Paul, so the answer... Paul asked me before about the resurgence, and I messaged the rep. And his answer was, we might have done that for their brewery of the month. Hmm. So he's not even sure how they have those beers. So, yep, yep. So weird. Weird. But I'm drinking them. Ah. You know, good thing, <laughs> I, you know, I got to keep, I got to keep ready in case I need to talk uh, randomly soon, you know, yes. for some strange reason. And now, a dramatic reading from Blue and Gold, number one, panel one, page six. Termination required. Look out! Tech-Ostrasty alert! But you gotta save Superman! And that was a dramatic reading of Blue and Gold, number one, panel one. Page six. Yeah. Four word balloons or captions in that panel, and I don't know what any of them are tied to or what they mean. Man, they there's I that was the one with the least amount. I'll tell you (laughs) that. It was such a bad book. I was so excited. I was like, oh yeah, booster uh booster gold and blue beetle book. Yeah, they're bringing them back. Like, oh, this will be great. It was awful. And Paul read it to you. Yep. Congratulations, so. everyone. And what books did we read this month? But that's going to head us into our main topic, which, like we said up at the front, is going to be our June 2022 look back. So we're going to be talking about some of the number one issues that we bought this past month and uh, our thoughts on those. So we already talked off show where we're going to be starting. So, Paul, we're going to throw it over to you. So what book do you have for us? I have... The best Archie comic ever, number one. And this is written by a host of comic book creators. A story uh, by Fred Van Lenty with art by Tim Seeley. Uh, a story by Aubrey uh, Sitterson and art with Jed Dautry. Uh, and also Rube, a story by Ruben Najira and Giorgiero, Giorgira Sitterson. Uh, Spotito, spot, spotito. Uh, there we go. I, I, I butchered some, all those names. Some of those are probably names somewhere in the world. <laughs> exactly. Sorry about that. <laughs> you deserve credit for your work. Uh, I had fun. With I this just book. can't give it to you. <laughs> I, I'm just not the person to do it. Uh, unfortunately. You guys want to try those names? <laughs> no, I'm. I'm good. Okay, okay. Uh, I thought this was a fun book. It's three short stories. Uh, one with Archie himself uh, being a superhero named Pureheart. The second story being with Jughead being uh, Conan the Barbarian. And the third story being uh, Betty and Veronica being super cool uh, super agents for the CAI, not the CIA. 
central authorities. Is of CIA a thing that you can't use in comic books? Because I assumed it's something that's just kind of like so broad and known that you probably would be allowed to. Or do you think they were just trying to dodge any kind of follow up on that? Because they call out, they say CAI, and they're like Central Agents of Intelligence. Like, c- couldn't you just do CIA? Like, because even in Invincible, like, yeah, everything was based out of the White House. Like, they just say like, oh yeah, parking in the rear. Like, yeah, yeah. Or Langley. You know, a lot of times people will be like, oh, we got the orders out of Langley, which is the head. But also think about any movie or other books yeah. where they've been just CIA agents. So I don't know. It's just some weird Archie thing. Yeah, they're but just it, it was weird enough that it caught me when I read that. And I'm like, yeah, huh. I, I was like, am I what's happening? Am I, do I have a, a different reading disorder now, too? <laughs> we'll have to reach out to our people at the uh, FIB <laughs> to let us know about this. It's the Federal Intelligence Bureau case. But, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I should have said that. Now we're on a watch list. My bad. Uh, we're, we're only on a no-fly list for the... Uh, I, I I lost it. Lost the thread. I'm on a no-fly list because all my <clears throat> pants have buttons instead of zippers. <laughs> yeah. No-fly zone. <laughs> nice. So, uh, guys, well, let's start at the beginning. What did he think of Once We Were Heroes? Where- so, when you pitched this book, I didn't know what to expect because I was like, okay, the best Archie comic ever. It's going to be an Archie book, obviously. Um, I didn't expect it to be all kind of like big budget comic book movie takes on the characters. So, I was kind of surprised by that. Um but then when I was reading it, I was like, oh, is Pure Heart a character from the old Archie comics that I'm just not aware of? Where it's like Archie's like daydream superhero persona or something? Uh, and this does not answer that question for me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't mind it. I kind of liked the fun like framing device of it at the beginning with Archie and Jughead. Watching the movie with Archie being like, oh, I had a dream I was a superhero. And then Archie's like, yeah, that's, we just watched a superhero movie. But then they walk out, I was like, superheroes are real. Um, it wasn't bad. I don't know. So not only are superheroes not great, real, though, but also it was like, oh, this pure heart is using his superpowers to steal. This makes me what? Justice, I am a superhero. Mega Mime, you did this. Ah, and that pure heart's a fake pure heart. I'm just gonna drop you. You know, I I did like. I I did like the guy. I was like, "There's due process." (laughs) It yeah. (laughs) It was. It was goofy and lame, and I think I expected more out of an Archie book because of Afterlife with Archie mm-hmm. and those other Archie books yeah, I think we've even just read like for the podcast. I the was Ma- let- The Mark Wade Fiona Staples Archie book that we all wound up loving, I think, elevated my expectations of an Archie book. And this was... cheap version of those. Like, it didn't have the same... I, I, for some reason, I hold Archie to a higher standard now, and this is like T 
TV guide looking Archie book that's in this uh, grocery store line. You know, like it just. There was little things in it that I liked, but as a whole, mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy it. And I think it was because it wasn't smart enough for an Archie book for me. See, I thought it was, you know, when he, he wakes up and you look at the credits that are rolling, it's like, hey, thanks to blah, 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 the catering <laughs> staff, even though we, you know. That's that's the stuff that John was talking about. We're like, I liked that part of it. Because they, that's, they do that's the smart. Uh, internet that's meme, clever. The, the Spider-Man pointing meme in it. You know, because it's like, it's just poke. The, we said, hey, there's due process. You know, I think it's poking fun at the rest of, you know, where comics are, which are basically now just, you know, vehicles they're, to be they're, sold. Yeah, they're farms for superhero movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I I didn't dislike it. it. I I found it charming in spots. And then, like, the the Barbarian, you know, Jughead the Barbarian, like, I liked that they made it look vintage-looking with the coloring. I love that he's climbing up the outside and, like, the principal's faces in the bat. Mm. Uh, like, I thought it looked good, and it's a good spoofy take on those old... Conan the Barbarian books, or any Conan the Barbarian book, or Conan the Barbarian the movie, or... So, <laughs> this one I actually really enjoyed. Like, if Jughead the Bulgarian was a part of the Afterlife with Archie, like, Vampironica universe, uh-huh. that's a book that I'd be like, man, Paul, thanks for bringing this to the table. Because it's Jughead being a barbarian that's you know saving the damsels in distress but he's really just there to get to like the giant burger in like the wizard sanctum and I'm kind of sad that it took to this point for me to realize that on Jughead's crown that white rectangle is supposed to be a jewel because anytime I've read a Jughead book or an Archie book with Jughead Emmett like I just saw that as, like, a sticker. But I'm like, oh, no, it's a crown. Those are supposed to be jewels on it. That never clicked for me (laughs) until, like, the first page of the story. I was like, oh, shit, he's wearing a crown. Those are are gemstones. I think in the regular Archie, they are, like, a pin (laughs) and a sticker. And they just made it gems in this because it fits the barbarian. It it makes more sense because it's... It's the Bulgarian. The Bulgarian. But I think also just with comic books as they are, because this you know character's been around since the forties, like them drawing those onto the crown, it was like, oh, it's supposed to be like you know your Burger King crown where you get it mm-hmm. for free, whatever. But even on that, like it's supposed to be gems printed on there, and I just never put that together. We, we can settle that by just turn. Oh, you, you actually can't see Jughead's top of his uh, crown hat. Uh, no, you can. Yeah, it's too far away to tell what, okay. what they are uh, on uh, page two of the same book. Uh, I actually really enjoyed this one because it kind of reminded me of like a Bazooka Joe, yeah. like Hostess Fruit Pies comic, where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's just a dumb, fun story with 
Jughead wanting to get to a giant cheeseburger that's protected by, like, an eldritch circle. Like, this was fun. I I really liked it. I like the dialogue, too, being so over the top with the constantly just saying saying the word and that the source word is the source word the source word the source word it was it was fun would and you i, I would think, think it's also the scroll capture and detain <laughs> or in source and capture and detain you know i think it's good also just a good looking comic book i think everything about it like the art the coloring like it's all just masterfully done like it's representative of that style, but it's also a good enough take on it that you realize it's like pseudo parody of it. I would agree. This was my favorite one out of the book. Okay, oh, you guys. So I'm taking it that you did not enjoy Betty and Veronica in Operatives, where they're two. That was that was my least favorite of the three because. There's a moment where there's two characters that look like Archie, and I thought that the person that they took out was Archie, and then he walks in the door, and I'm like, oh, wait, no. Oh, his suit coat's a different color. Like, I get that now. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess yeah. He does look like Archie there. Yep. Because also at that exactly point, like- maybe I'm not <clears throat> entrenched enough in the the Archie universe of characters, to know who like the bad guy was supposed to be is that I think it was someone? supposed to be Moose, right? Is it? But he's carp. Why would they make him a fish if he's going to be Moose? Why wouldn't they? If he was supposed to be Moose, I would just he, have him. He would be like, the oh, moose. the crime boss, the Moose. Yeah, yeah. like I, I, and that was part of the thing where it's like, oh, again, maybe this book's made for bigger Archie fans than I, and I didn't get it. I have nothing against the idea of Betty and Veronica being super spies because that. It seems kind of fun, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's I <laughs> enjoyed them more as being like the damsels in distress, like captured in the cage in the last yeah. story, and also being sassy about it, being like, well, These and then, <laughs> then also as soon as like Bird Archie turns into like Boy Archie, that they're both like, ooh, like a boy. Well, they weren't even ooh. You see, uh, when he's still a bird, you see the hearts in the background. Oh, I didn't, I didn't yeah. catch that. I, yeah. That they were falling but, just for the again, purpose, cute, super funny. Well, even like in this, the Archie's the bartender and that rich guy like hitting on her. Like it's just not. It just doesn't play. Like it just doesn't play right. Like especially when she throws the the drink in his face, and then it's like that'll be three hundred dollars. Like you can tell that they're playing it for jokes, right? But it's not funny like it just I, I would have enjoyed this book more if if it was better like I like, <laughs> like, like yes. I, I like the idea of the two of them being spies together I think that's a great a great concept going in and taking out the guy but it's just not done right and especially like is it Veronica where she's talking to the guy at the door she tries to bribe him and he's like that's not gonna work and then she's like oh here put my necklace on and then she knocks him out like it's just stupid and then the other one goes and gets the she gets the the suit from the the uh, waitress like it just 
don't know. I kind of like that one. It was like, hey, here's the thing. I'm I'm just gonna take your suit, but I'm gonna pay. And the girls just like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, oh yeah, watch out. Guy these guys are assholes. Like, yeah. I, I there's there's some stuff that's okay there, and I applaud the idea because putting it into that afterlife with Archie like Jughead by Night whatever the werewolf one was called The Hunger Um, (laughs) if all three of these books were kind of like spun off into that take I think the Jughead Bergerian one would be the one that I'm like fuck yeah give me more of that book because it's very it's very on the nose but it it knows it is, and it has fun with it. Like, that's the one that I was most like, yes, this book's in on the joke, and it likes it. Give me that. The Betty and Veronica one, it it's just trying to be what it is, and it isn't what it's supposed to be. Um, but Paul, I don't want to sound overly negative, because this book's not what I expected it to be, but I wound up enjoying it more than I thought it would after I learned what it was. If that makes sense, I, I think yes. I think there might be like a page or something missing in the Betty and Veronica, <laughs> because I I think Betty like poisons the carps' uh, food because yes. she serves them the food and then says volcanoes erupting soon, men's room in about five minutes, and he goes there faster than that. Yeah, yeah. She it, goes. She's trying to take out the bodyguard so she can take him out in something. But then he catches her knocking him out, and then Archie comes through and knocks him out with the door. Which that's a big guy to get taken out by just like a door opening. But also, it's like thanks for the help, <laughs> and then yeah. it's over. But it's like, shouldn't they be like so doing I, what they were spying on to be spies to do? Are they trying to? And plant him with something or take so, something off. On, oh, they're just for arresting him, <clears throat> taking down the. On, on the train, there's a wanted <clears throat> sign as they're walking in. When she's walking through the kitchen, it's a funnel cake with a cola, but then it's like a pink liquid in a bottle, which I think is supposed to be like a uh, like a Pepto Bismol, like like a diuretic thing. Because then when she goes to deliver the food. Yeah, it says laxative. Yeah. Okay, oh, I, okay. I, I didn't, I didn't I'm that. on the the digital reader on Amazon.com, which basically just makes the panel bigger, and it doesn't do anything for the uh, fidelity of it. So it's basically just the same panel that I can't uh, read anything on, but bigger now. Um, but then that the bottle's gone by the time she delivers the food, and it's just like the the cake and the cola. So then it makes sense that. It's like, oh, volcanoes erupting. But then also, why would that knock him out? Because, again, a dude that big getting hit in the head with a door. As someone that's been hit with a door because I wasn't aware someone was walking through it as I was about to walk out of it, it's more one of those like, oh, oh, sorry, I didn't know. Yeah. Like it's, uh, it doesn't end No, no matter of how bad I have to poop. The, the thing I don't get is this says... It's a one shot. And you got, there's obviously had to have been stories that were cut out of this. Because you have like Betty in the, on the cover in like a loincloth with like a spear. 
Yeah, that's yeah. the barbarian one. No, because they're already captured, and she's not wearing that outfit. She's wearing, like, a purple dress. Yeah, she's not wearing that oh. outfit. And then they have bonus pinup at the end, which has, like, a rock star, future rock star, laser guitar. There's Archie fighting a dinosaur. There's Archie with a... There's a dinosaur gun. on the cover of the book, too. Mm, yeah. A giant squid creature. And then there's another, like, JSA-looking one. And then on the alternate cover by Tom uh, Whalen, there again, it's it's like Betty with that loincloth, and there's a super um, super super jughead. Jug like it's like it feels like it's missing stories in it. Uh, I did not catch that when I was going through it because again, I just looked at the uh, cover once I opened the book to get into the story, but. Yeah, I think there should have been at least maybe like two more stories in this. And I that was surprised kind of it was only three stories. Because when I looked at the book, it was three ninety nine. But the first time that I searched for it on Amazon, it came up as fourteen ninety nine, and I was like, "Fuck you, Paul, for making me spend fifteen dollars for this book." And then I clicked on something different, and it came up as three ninety nine. I was like, "Okay, that's yeah, comic yeah. book priced." Um, but yeah, also on the cover, it looks like there's like robots and stuff. So, hey, man. yeah, can't trust the cover. Don't judge. Well, that's what's selling cover. me on the book. Um, yeah. It, so it was it not was the fine. best comic book ever. Maybe it's not even the best Archie comic book ever. Is <laughs> kind of what I'm afraid of, since we've read really good Archie comics on this, and we've read. Really good alternate takes on Archie on the show too. Like, and I think that's what I had. But problem with this is I was expecting an elevated book, and I think the most elevated one in the realm of the writing style that they did in this book was the Jughead one. It got what it was supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. and it's fun and cheeky. Yeah. Where I think the other ones just didn't nail it for me and I would have liked to have seen those be- like better like the Betty and Veronica spy one I thought could be fun yeah. but it it's not and it's it's really wordy for a book that nothing happens in okay I, I got you yeah I can see that <clears throat> um, um, move on to our next book yeah, or do we book? want to do our next beer or wait for the last book? I just mix those two beers together, so I don't really have a next beer. <laughs> All well, right, how, well, does, how does that taste? Yeah, well? why don't you tell us about your science experiment there, bud? The science experiment is okay. It uh, didn't really change anything. <laughs> oh, good, good to know. The uh, lager such such a light flavor. The Pilsner wasn't really standing up. So I get the I still get a little bit of that um, pineapple-y on the very back end. It's uh, it didn't ruin anything, but it didn't make anything any better either. So, um, no. If I see uh, the fruited pills out from Resurgence, I'm not going to be picking it up. Uh, it's four point five percent alcohol by volume. Uh, same with the Resurgence, uh, Resurgence Lager because price point it would need to be at is too low for them to produce it at so 
I enjoyed the lager more than I enjoyed the fruited pills. Um, but I don't think they can get the price down low enough for me to want to pick up the lager. Yeah. yeah. Chris, your beer is another uh, sidewards beer? It's another sidewards beer. And Paul, like I said, off show, I'm going to need some support with this one. Because, sir, you are the tiki drink expert Ooh. of the podcast here. So my next beer from Sideward is their Tiki Sour, and this okay. is a Blue Hawaii Florida Weiss. Okay. Blue so what's a Blue Hawaiian? Let pineapple, me know as I'm taking my cur- sip. I think it's a pineapple and blue, uh, blue curacao with rum, I believe. That sounds about right. I mean, that sounds like a check. It's going to have rum in it. It's going to have a fruit juice. And if it's, it's blue, it's going to have curacao blue, in it, right? Curacao, I mean, yeah. this this beer is blue as all hell. Um, when you were up getting your beers, I, I actually shone a light through it, and it just comes all like electric blue. Um, oh, with ooh, sweet and sour mix. That, that would be a bad okay. one. But uh, that would be, you know, if Coconut? you were going to make it yourself. It, it, I would so say pineapple juice, kind of like sweet and sour, sour mix, blue curacao. Rum. This one has vodka. I wouldn't do that. I would just do the rum. And instead of sweet and sour mix, I would do lime juice. And okay. also, you know, you already got the blue curacao. You could do some uh, simple syrup in there. But honestly, with the blue curacao and pineapple, it's going to be sweet enough. I would just um, add some lime juice. I I think I would like Paul's version of this drink better than the spear. It's not bad. It It is good for what it is because... You talking about it, I get that, like, that pineapple, kind of like that vodka-like base to it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's fine. I would like a little bit more, like, of a fruity pop to it. I would love it to be a little bit more rummy, but it definitely comes off as, like, vodka. Um, Does blue curacao taste like anything, or is it just there in drinks? It's, like, an orange liqueur. Just, Okay. But it's yeah, a I don't, very I don't get a bad one. I don't get because a lot of orange. I think it's just like, yeah. but it's in so, so many cocktails, Paul. It's it's it, blue to make it blue, kind of. It, when you start noticing blue curacao, you can taste it, and it's an off orange flavor with that like tight acidic, a tight uh, not acidic, but tight. Okay. Um, like a pithiness, because maybe pithiness. that's what I'm. Maybe that's what I'm getting, and I'm attributing it to the vodka. Because I don't drink vodka, but like I have acrid. it to like that's what I'm add and stuff. Right. Like that might be that like acridness, like that acidity mm-hmm. that I'm getting. Yeah, maybe that's like the blue curacao, and mm-hmm. off of your like recipe, maybe I'm attributing that to like the vodka. Because the only reason I have vodka is just to make bloody marys with because. Yeah. It just gives me an excuse to look normal for keeping tomato juice in my refrigerator. Um, guys, I just like to drink tomato juice. It's delicious. Tomato juice is great. It's fantastic. The spicy hot from V8? Oh my gosh. Like I can just drink a jug of that. I have a jug of it just to drink right now because I don't got any vodka. I'll do a shot of Worcestershire sauce, some spicy uh, V8, and I'm golden. I also heard you will just chug from a jug of Chevetta's, so you're a wild man. Yo, I chug that Chevetta's jug like it's nothing. Yum, 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 yum. John, are you drinking a real beer? Or are you uh, mixing yes. stuff? 
I am drinking a grapefruit pilsner from Thin Man Brewery, uh, 4.7%. This has got a nice biscuity pilsner with this really ruby red grape juice to it. The only problem is, is as it warms up, it becomes less grapefruity and more pilsner pilsnery malt. And that's my problem for holding the can because I'm holding the can with all my fingers but using my ring finger to slightly peel the sticker away. So I've just been holding it and like nervously picking at it while we've been talking. And I think I've helped warm it up. Um, but it's it's nice. It's It's nice. Is it better than Ruby Red Kolsch from... Um, Genesee Brewery out here in Buffalo area? No, because it's $9.99 for a four-pack Tallboy cans, and it's $10.99 for a 12-pack of Ruby Red. Like, it's just a better... It's a better grapefruit beer for a better price. Well, Ruby Red's only for, what, 4.2? Um, mm-hmm. Well, how much... How- is that a four, higher octane? Four, four seven. Oh, so it's not even that. It's not like it's a high it's, octane, full of vodka. Let's go. <laughs> it's not. It's not bad. It's good. But as you said, Paul, like in the realm of pricing things out for a like for a grapefruit beer, this just doesn't. Yeah. It just doesn't hit the mark. Doesn't it reminds me a lot of Schoferhofer grapefruit, though, with that. Ooh, but that nice. hits the mark. So I don't. I don't know. I'm getting conflicting messages because Schoferhofer, like, I remember building that beer up so much in my mind, like, the first time that we had it. Like, Paul, you and I, like, when we went down mm-hmm. to Epcot for our trip, like, going back to Buffalo, like, we went to Premier and, like, walked through, like, the shelves and, like, their import section looking for it. And I asked the guy, like, hey, I'm looking for this beer that I had at Epcot. It was, like, Pineapple, I don't remember what it's called. He's like, oh, yeah, people look for that all the time. We can't get it. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Like, now I can just get it whenever because not only do I live down the road from Epcot, but it's also available, like, every store down here. Every time I have it, I'm still like, yeah, it's that good. <laughs> so, it is. I, I'm just thrown off by you being like, oh, it's max of I- this, but, but not... I think it's the because that beer still has a little bit of that weediness to it, and this has got that biscuitiness to it that mm-hmm. reminds me of that beer. Okay. And again, it's not bad, but if you were to put Schoferhofer, Genesee, and this, this would be number three. Schoferhofer in my book would probably be number one, and then Jenny. But there's better grapefruit beers than this. That I would drink. And I even like, um, Polliner has a grapefruit wheat beer that's better than this. It's not, it's not bad. It's good. But all those beers I can get for a better value. Ooh, and that Polliner you said was a great disc golfing beer. Or at least yeah, the that Polliner. One. Yeah. The Polliner Hell's, Hell's Lager and, um, the Polliner Grapefruit. Six ninety nine for uh, four pack Tall Boys. Like, 
That's that's in your wheelhouse. That's in your wheelhouse, Paul's language. That's going to get me to the basket. (laughs) (laughs) And something that got me to the basket is my pick for the list, and that is "Beware the Eye of Odin," written by Doug Wagner, art by Tim Oland, uh, colors by Michelle Madsen. And this tells the story of a young prince. Well, he's not even that young. He's kind of a grown man. But a prince who has touched the eye of Odin, and now it is his goal to return it to the owner or suffer suffer a curse of death. And as he goes out onto this adventure, he is joined by a one-armed blacksmith who used to be a great war well he's probably still a great warrior but he's armless yeah. uh and then a kind of crazy woman who thinks that she is a valkyrie and she could um, be she could be she could be and all the um all the monsters in this area know that he has the eye and are all out to get it from him as well and this this book is kind of just a fun fantasy. I don't think it's the greatest version of these, but it's definitely reminiscent and reminds me of like Rat Queens. Um, it's just kind of a fun take on those. It's not trying to be much more than it is. What? I may or may not pick up issue two. I think it just depends on where I'm at when it comes out. When so I picked I, this book up, I could have sworn it said book one of two. Right? Oh, really? So, it isn't it just a two? At which point I was like, I was giving it a lot more leeway. Because I'm like, oh, it's only a two issues thing. Like, hey, let's have, they can have their fun with it. It's fine. If this was an ongoing, I would have been like, ooh, I don't know about that. I think it's got an end, but I don't think it's I, it's one of two. Okay. Uh, Chris, you were about to say something. Um, yeah, I think if this was a shorter book, I would forgive it of its shortcomings because I had a moment with it where I was like, this book's still going, and nothing about it had really grabbed me. And there's some fun to it, but it doesn't focus on that fun enough because I think it dwells too much on our main character, whose name I don't even know or remember, being like... Hegel? Is it? I don't know. Just like being the main character. I have the Eye of Odin. Like, oh, I'm cursed now. I gotta do this thing. I I think the uh, like the blacksmith guy with the one arm is like such a really cool character that I'd like more of him. And there was moments where it's like the girl who's pretending and thinking she's a Valkyrie. I'm like, well, yeah, it's going to turn out like she's a Valkyrie at some point because it kind of comes across as heavy handed for that. Um, I liked the assault by like the little like weird woodland, like, Fairy mm-hmm. creatures. Um, the brownies, as I like to call them. It feels... <laughs> it kind of it kind of feels willowy, right? It does. Yeah, it does. Um, I think if it had been spaced out a little bit more, I probably would have 
appreciate because I think the book just goes on a little bit too far. I think it needs to have like maybe a stopping point in the middle of it where they get attacked by something for me to have some sort of like, oh, cliffhanger, what comes next? Because it just keeps kind of going. And then when it does end, I'm like, oh, you've gave me like three other cliffhangers and you kept telling the story, but now you're done. Um, and then when you mentioned Red Queens, I was like, oh, Red Queens is definitely like a fun fantasy book that I would much rather read. I've been trying, I've been trying to find like a Rat Queen substitute and like, um, what is it like ogres exclamation point exclamation exclamation point has been the closest thing but it's still not great this has got enough in it that i i did like it but yeah the they all have northman names that are all like hard to say that you're like i'm just going to skip the name because i don't want to try to sound it out in my head and sound like paul reading the artist on uh, his book <laughs> But I I like the I like the look of the book. I think it's really good. I do think it's heavy-handed trying to set up things in this world. Um but I didn't I didn't hate the book. I had fun I had fun with it. Like I didn't reading this book, I didn't expect more than what I got. Or less than what I got. So just some quick Google Foo. Originally, this book came out free comic book day 2015 from Black Cat Comics as mm. just like a one shot, black and white. Um, and now we're getting more of it. And it does look like it's maybe not an ongoing, but they do have four issues solicited, uh, with number four coming out in September 2022. Um, Oh, okay, so that's the series finale. So, four issue. So, it's kind of like a a maxi-series. Because um, they are oversized books, because this story was, I think, like 40 pages. Um, but you mentioned... like 40 pages. I thought it moved it, well. See, it, it felt like it for me. But I think it's because there's so much, like, build-up, action point, stop. Build-up, action point, stop. The only thing that seemed to drag it for me is the prince constantly like, but I'm cursed. Yeah, he was really, he was a little, he seemed like he's kind of cool, then he was whiny, then it's like, oh, okay, he's got that cool axe. Then he's whiny. But is his axe cursed too? Yeah, he had this whininess about him. My mother died the day I was born. Because I'm (laughs) cursed. I forgot about that. The whole town knew it. And they treated it different. The, the one-armed blacksmith just, like, swinging around an anvil tied to a chain is <laughs> just really cool. Um, and he got to see the origin of that anvil, yeah, I he, think, too, because he was, like... The origin forging, is he looks at it. <laughs> he was forging a chain and just accidentally whipped it behind his shoulder and, like, broke the table. And it's like, huh, well, maybe. Just like, maybe. that could be a thing. I made this for myself. Because <laughs> yeah. he can't handle a two-handed sword because he's only got the one hand. 
Wow. Rude. Is it? Uh, I don't know. He's but just going to hand... I think he's being handy capable. That's going to lead us to my book, guys, which is Poison Ivy number one coming out from DC Comics, uh, written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Marquio Takara. Um, this is actually spinning out of the Gotham City Villains 80th anniversary number one that came out back in November of 2021. So six months prior to the release of this book. Um, when we read that for the look back for November 2021, that was one of my favorite stories from it, alongside the um, Danny DeVito-written Penguin story. Um, but I remember thinking, like, wow, like this was such a great take on the character. And they hint at the end of it, like, you know, this is going to lead into the Poison Ivy book coming out in the future that when I saw this book solicited, I was like, yeah, I'm I'm going to pick that book up. And I was let not let down by it at all. Um, this is Poison Ivy just kind of at her rope's end. She realizes everything's bad. It's all got to end. That includes me. So she's basically just going across the country, spreading this... Uh, fungal spore that's just taking people out but it's teased at the end of the issue that maybe that fungal spore is going to become something worse than what she expects it to be and I guess that's going to be where the book's going to turn um, I really dug this one a lot and I'm looking forward to what you guys have to say about it because I did send you all the pages from the short story from that Gotham City uh, anniversary special, just it's kind of like a a refresher because we read that book six, seven months ago now, um, and it does lead into this kind of in its own way with Poison Ivy doing what she's currently doing in this book, except she's walking through the office of like a chemical company, spreading these spores to everybody. It's like. No, these are bad people. They got to get taken out. And then just her kind of realizing the cost of humanity while she's doing it. But by the time she gets to this book, she's like, no, humans are the worst. Like, mm-hmm. we we all deserve to go. Uh, I, I liked it a lot. And I'm hoping I'm not the only one. So someone else, jump in now. Uh, I also really enjoyed this book. But by the time I was getting towards the end, my thought was, is this a one-shot? How far is it going to go? Because she also says in that that she's dying. So there's got to be an end. But if it's an ongoing series, where is the end? Because I kind I of like... ongoing in the way it's like, uh, it's ongoing for the next blah months and then and, and then it's over we'll get one trade maybe we'll get two yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think be- one maybe two if they push it yeah. because i like the story of her on this journey the bat family she even says like the bat family's gonna find this find me they're gonna try to stop me once they realize what i'm doing even swamp thing's gonna like he's gonna come after me like 
there's so many things that are going to be coming after me, but it doesn't matter because in the end, I'm going to be dead. By the time you're reading this, because it's all, it's all written as if she's writing in her journal. And the, when you read this, I'll be dead. Like reading that, I was like, okay, this is going to be really finite story. And, where it's going to go. Is she going to learn a lesson? Is she going to find something here or there? I was like, oh, man, like, how many issues is this going to be? It doesn't say. Then I'm also looking to see if it's a DC Black label. So I know, like, this isn't happening in continuity. This is its own thing. Um, and I think I was thinking a little too much of it. But, yeah, when you see the little spoiler at the end where you see, like, the fingers twitch, I was like, okay. Something else is going to happen, but it's also a depowered um, poison ivy in this as well. Yeah, well, she's she got super powered somehow. I, I I don't. I feel bad because I haven't been keeping up on the Bat Family stuff. So apparently, there were multiple poison ivies at one point, and this is like the the weaker version of it. Yeah, she was uber powered and then split into two different beings. This is just from the uh, first couple of pages of this book and then um, merged back together and then in order to save her life they had to kill off the more power like depower her and uh, she's angry about that and that's what leads to her leaving Harley Quinn um, I feel like this book could have been half the length because her attack on the farm was the setup of like telling us what has already happened in the past and we get the attack on the farm and then we get the other attack uh, later on when she stops at that dive bar and I'm like and neither of those two like attacks really furthered to be... the plot yeah it's just hold it was just action scenes to be taking place uh, so we could get the journal entries of the um, exposition, the, these and the thing is, it's the exposition is revealed to be basically letters or a journal left behind for Harley to read. But reading just that the the journal entries, it doesn't seem like it's re- being written for Harlequin either, because it's very, you know. This is what I'm doing. But no reason why she's doing it. Like, I don't know. It it, it feels emotionally detached. Where if she was re- re- writing this, those word captions for Harley Quinn and not us, the audience, they would be more point, you know, more pointed towards Harley. Um, so there were those little nitpicky things that I had. I, I overall enjoyed it. It just seemed... To be taking its time just so it could get through the exposition, so we knew where we were, and I'm, a, I'm hoping issue two is a lot better, like moves the plot a lot farther than what we got here, because I feel like we were in a holding pattern the whole time. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from with it. And I do think it is for Harley Quinn because when they have that kind of flashback where she's talking to Harley, um, 
it does say like something like, "Oh, I was waiting for you." Um, <laughs> uh, I can see you in the bright light of the morning after. That who knows? That could just be juxtaposition. It could be about someone else. I, well, if she writes, yeah, she, she writes that like this world. Nobody deserves this world except for maybe you. And I'm like, oh, so it's... And when she says you, it's obviously that she's talking about Harley. And she also has a line where she says, like, now I see that you were trying to do the best for me. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and Harley says, like, I, you know, we did what we could to save you. And then she's like, you took everything away from me. Yeah. But now I see that you were just trying to save me. So, uh, yeah, it makes you feel like it's being written for Harley. Mm-hmm. But the book looks amazing. Yeah, I think as a whole, like, for a Poison Ivy book, like, I think this is a great look and take on the character. And then it looks great. And then at the end, when you're seeing everything through the lens of the people that are infected with the spores and just like everything being crazy bright colors swirly like pencils and they're like oh my gosh it's so beautiful like why wouldn't you want this and she's like that's not for me but I'll be there soon I really dig this book Um, one of the things we've been talking about on the show and just in our personal lives is that dilemma and dichotomy of like buying books digitally and picking up stuff physically and this is a book that I picked up at my local comic book store I have it in my hand I'm probably going to pick up issue number two when I go to my comic book store tomorrow because hey guys I'm off three days this week so you know what I'm going comic book shopping tomorrow and I'm I'm going to be buying number two. Like that's why this was almost one of my picks for the list because poison Ivy is such an interesting character. And I think it takes a writer like G Willow Wilson to let that character live and breathe just as a person, as a character. Um, She doesn't need to be in a Batman or a Robin comic Mm -hmm. book. Like this is, already got my attention and I'm I'm super excited for number two I feel like I don't know maybe with her doing this thing to the people uh, you know kind of drugging them with the mushroom the fungus that basically you know starts spilling out of them it reminded me a lot of the the first Sandman issue the one with uh, Dr. Dream going to Mm -hmm. the yeah, Dr. Dream, right? Or Dr. Sleep? What's his name? Dr. Sleep, I think. Yeah. No, uh, Dr. Sleep's the... It's just Stephen the Shining. King yeah. Okay, so it's Dr. Dream uh, going to the diner and, like, basically putting everybody under their spell and everything like that. So, I don't know, I'm kind of getting those kind of, like, somewhat horror vibes, especially with the, like, those pages with the weird visions. Um, no, I, but also... I think- the flowers growing out of the corpses. I'm getting old school. The uh, old uh, Swamp Things. Uh, Saga of the Swamp Thing. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh the yeah. Yannick Paquette uh, and uh, Scott Snyder uh, book out of Rebirth. So I'm uh, very interested. Which are two great places to take to, to be coming from. So 
Yeah, I I think that's kind of the crux of it too. Is like, no, this is a terrible thing that she's doing, but it's also being done as a kindness. Like, yeah, you're gonna die, but you no, know, the spores release like something that inspires like euphoria. Like, you're, you're not even being pained as you do it. I wish I could feel that. Like, I think, and that's uh, the hook that brought. Willow Wilson to this book because I think Paul, you said you saw. Uh, yeah, where she was. Str- yeah, she was uh, struggling because she likes, you know, with her comic book creations. She she wants to have that like one sentence that sums up the character. Like you know, she's always searching for that. Uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Hook for the character, and she found it with um, Kamala Khan with. Good isn't a thing you are; it's a thing you do. And uh, she was having, she was really struggling with finding that hook for Pamela Ivy, you know, Poison Ivy here. Um, and I was like reading this book, and I'm like, okay, where is it? Where's that sentence? Where's that sentence? And I, I'm not sure I know it yet. You, I thought you were going to tell us it. I, I thought I thought I was going to get this in this first issue too, and I, I don't think I did. I think it was uh, drink my beer. It's good. Oh wait, no, that was a thing Paul said years ago that we you know what? Focused on. It's funny. It's funny that people want to you know take ingest like some sort of uh, fungus in order to feel euphoria. Well, we sit here and review beer. Which oh wait, that's a yeast, which is a fungus, right? Do you have another beer, Paul? Is that what you're doing? No, so I can no. get one. I got oh no, no, I'm good. I have a whole case of things to drink. <laughs> But guys, do we want to do... Drink it uh, all before producer Scott gets down there. <laughs> do we want to do power <laughs> rankings? Uh, yeah, so I would do um, Poison Ivy. Beware the Eye of Odin and then um, Archie. Paul? Uh, and I don't... I didn't dislike any of the books. Yeah. And to put Archie at the end, I just... As I said before, like I was, I was hoping for something a little more elevated than what I got. Yeah. If all of the books held as true as the Bulgarian, <laughs> I think I would have been so I much more happy with. Read it. the right. hell out of that book if it came out. My power rankings. I'm going to just just because I'm putting Archie number one, just because I thought it was just a fun one shot, like just lighthearted, just. Get me through some... I don't want to be thinking about anything. I just wanted some fun comics. And that was just three fun comic book stories. Uh, number two, I'm going to put Poison Ivy. And number three, The Eye of Odin. None of them were bad. Um, and it's very close between two and three. I might have went Poison Ivy three just because I... You know what? I'm going to go Poison Ivy three. I think um, more happened in... The Eye of Odin, maybe because it's giant-sized. I feel like I got more story out of that than I did with Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy, I'm going to say again, I feel like it was just treading water and just giving us exposition in this first issue. Though, I am excited to see what happens next. So it's not bad. You know what I mean? Like, so it's very, you, it's very close. So you're saying you're excited to see what happens next. Do you read or buy number two? No, I'm gonna wait okay. until it's a trade. Okay, no, <laughs> or was... until you tell until you tell me, Paul, it's worth the trade. Like then I'll then I'll buy. It. 
I, I just didn't know how excited you were to see maybe where it goes because we, we've talked about a lot of books and there have been times where we've talked about something that it might not have been a book that I bought. But example, John, you picked up the DC versus Vampires uh, Hunters number one. I really dug that, that when I go buy comic books tomorrow, I'm picking up Killers number one because I kind of want to know more about this world, and then if you've looked at the docs list for upcoming episodes, my trading policy is next. I'm picking up DC versus Vampires because they they have my attention based off of that that one shot that we read. Nice, nice. So, so thank you, and Welcome. thank you, listener. Did you uh, do your power rankings, Chris? I did not. Uh, my number one's Poison Ivy. Like I said, I you got my attention. Archie was actually my number two because Jughead the Bergarian. So that, good. It didn't matter what else happened in that book. If that book had just been Jughead <laughs> the Bergarian, I would still feel the same. Everything else is like backup bonus content. Uh, and then Beware the Eye of Odin. Um, just not enough there for me to care about because it just kind of kept happening. And if there had been more of a hook and that led into something else, I probably would have liked it more. Are you saying he was cursed? Uh, he was Did cursed. you know he was cursed? Did he's got that axe. He's got that axe, though. Cut through anything. Yeah, but why would his father lock it away? Is it because it's cursed? <laughs> Let us know if there's any books that we missed, though. Emails over at bakingbroadcast at gmail.com or comment on any of the social media posts about this episode. This is number 486, guys. Was this episode cursed? 14 away from 500. That's huge. Was there a comic book that that you bought that is cursed? I'm trying to think of something else that came out that I was like, no. But also, guys, just to prepare you, I haven't done the docs that far out. When it comes to April... We're doing April Fool's comics, so we're going to pick the worst books that we can find. Oh. And then just talk about those, because who wants to read good comic books? 